All right, our kid. Oh. <laughs> we'll have to do that again then. All right, our kid. All right, Tyler. You like you too, don't you? Yeah. Then you might like Oasis. What's the story? Morning Glory. <laughs> So, as the strains of some might say, die away, it's time for another edition of Tummel, or then you might like. If you enjoy you too, then this is the show for you. If you want to listen to other bands and albums that maybe there's a crossover with. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. Well, do you not think there's a big crossover with this week's edition? Oasis? <laughs> I don't know why I said it in Irish accent. They are though, kind yeah. of Irish now, yeah. Well, they're, they're culturally Irish, I guess, if you go back a little bit. Yeah, um, I don't know, actually, what the crossover is between uh, U2 and Oasis. Well, I've got a couple of connections. It took me a long time. Mm-hmm. I feel like, particularly where we grew up, you liked one of them. Yeah. They they had different vibes, Um Certainly, by the time we were in the early two thousands, when we were getting really into music, yeah, Oasis are, are a very different vibe to a lot of bands, but certainly a different vibe to what you two were doing in the early two thousands. Yeah. Um, the other thing is Tyler and I, in case you don't, in case you're not, you know, already painfully aware, we're from Wigan originally. Now the thing is, growing up in Wigan, and this makes this episode kind of a tricky and, and weird thing to record. There was an understanding that you had to have a position on Oasis. For me, one of the reasons why I didn't like Oasis, probably from the years about 2000 to 2017, was because they were just rammed down my throat and ear holes so much. You know, you have to like Oasis. You have to. They're amazing. They're brilliant. They're they're excellent. They seem to be the the lingua franca of the school's music taste. Like you would like Oasis. That was what was important. And I didn't like in a sort of teenage rebellion where I didn't like being told what was good music so I sort of actively disliked Oasis in the same way that I disliked the Smiths for quite a while just because everyone else seemed to like them it's different for me um I I had a I have a brother who's 10 years older than me mm-hmm. so around the time of this album when Oasis were really getting big he was 15 or 16 and I was 5 or 6 so I really wasn't at peak music listening age yeah. at five or six. You know, Thomas the Tank Engine was more my level at that point. Yeah. Whereas I remember, just to drop, drop in there very briefly, my brother had brought Now 31, I think it was. Now that's what I call Music 31, uh, to give it its proper title. And um, for all the aficionados. And that definitely had role with it on it. So I remember being of age when Oasis were around. And I think I actually did quite like that song initially. But then stupid teenage prejudices came in and took away Oasis from me. Well, I, I, my childhood is peppered with Oasis. And the, the songs, you know, the singles and even surprisingly some of the uh, album tracks. But by the time I was a teenager, I felt like it had passed me by because it was 10 years ago. Yeah. It's what my brother was into. Yes. And it's 10 years. It's a long time when you when you, you haven't lived two decades. So you don't remember the Britpop explosion then? Because I'm so dimly it. aware of it. I remember it. I, w- I, was, I was aware of it. I was there, but I was certainly more into the Spice Girls than I was Blur and Oasis. Mm. Um, and, and But, you know, now, 
Pulp are one of my favourite bands. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got to the point of liking Oasis 15 years after you're supposed to yeah. like Oasis. Not that there's a end date on that. No, but we're not very good at timings in general, are we? No, we seem to get into bands at the wrong point. Yeah. Almost constantly. <laughs> Can't wait for the next Simple Minds tour. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so we're in the 90s now. We've not been in the 90s for a very, very long time. Last time round, we were in the early 80s with Talking Heads and Stop Making Sense. Mm. Um this is a very different vibe to to Talking Heads. Yeah, um, although still quite a lot of cocaine around. <laughs> I mean, that's one continuity. Um, yeah, this is this is Cool Britannia, Tony Blair, Big Union Jack, Spice Girls, Lager, 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 um, Big Coats, uh, interesting haircuts, uh, Fred Perry tops for some people. A lot people. of Adidas. A lot of Adidas, which yeah. uh, which I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Or Adidas. Yes. Uh, Please send us some Adidas stuff, please. Um, anyone listening to Adidas? Uh, should we delve into the connections or not? What do you want yeah, to do? absolutely. Okay, right. So, you two connections. There's probably loads that we could talk about. Noel and Bono are mates, for want of a better phrase. Noel bought Bono... Wait, was it the other way around? No, Bono bought Noel. Who bought who what? I don't know what you're on about. Uh, so, you're going to have to give me some more... Right. One of them bought a moped for the other one for their 50th. So I think that must have been Bono Bono buying buying, for for, for Noel, I assume. Yeah. Which seems irresponsible because I imagine the... I mean, of all the presents Bono could buy me, a moped's pretty low down. Maybe they'd have a prior conversation. Maybe it wasn't just a random gift. Well, I I bet it was a particular type, you know. I mean, it's not as if he can't afford it. I bet it was a Vespa. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, Fans are already annoyed probably at how inaccurate it would be. Oh, well. Um, Noel seems like he's someone who's pretty much a cheerleader for you two um <clears throat> i think he's a cheerleader for music in general yeah uh he he'll he, he doesn't matter he doesn't care how cool it is necessarily no and if he like, like recently he's introduced me to a wings track called um, <laughs> personally 1985 right because it was featured on jules a recent jules holland interview and it's an amazing. It's one of those tunes that I've heard, and it's like, how have how have I not heard this already? Mm. It's so it's so good, uh, and the, that live version on Jules Horn's really good. It's I think it's the last track on Band on the Run, and I just I can't believe I didn't hear it ten years ago. Yeah, uh, I, I feel really unlucky that I didn't know about it. But he's he's a, he's a guy who basically, I mean, wings aren't cool, you two aren't cool, but I imagine if he said that to Noel, he just wouldn't care. I mean, that's one thing that goes through this whole album and band. They do not care really about well, that's, other people's that's opinions. That's the joke, isn't I mean, it? They care too much. I don't know. If you if you say to uh, British people, certainly of a certain age, um, if you mention wings, they're going to come back to you with the <laughs> Alan Partridge quote. They are only the band the Beatles could have been. Mm. Now that's just instinctual for us to say, but Noel even said that in the interview. <laughs> was he joking? Of course, he was joking. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was quoting Alan, Alan Partridge. Mm. So good taste in comedy as well. He has this habit of introducing me to uh, new music. That maybe, perhaps that he's impersonated over over the years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with Noel. But I only really started to listen to Noel and Oasis after we saw Noel support you two on the Joshua Tree tour. Yeah, Twickenham, which was which was when that was announced. That was always 
a great thing. Yeah, I was that's happy. like a double header. Yeah, I was very happy it was them rather than someone awful. I, I was going to be mean, but I won't actually name people who I'd, I wouldn't have rather seen. Yeah, so if you look through various clips, you can. it's quite easy to find no talking up you two, being interviewed, saying how great. There's a show, um, there's a clip on, on YouTube where he's slagging off all this new music in 2001, says it's terrible, it's rubbish, it's not as good he's, as our band. He's been doing that for about 20 years now. Yeah, but but then he, but he, he always seems to like you too. There was a big drunken night out. Now, I've got my old trusty copy of um, U2 by U2 here. Now, I I looked in it. And in the back it said Oasis in the index, and I knew straight away it would be in the pop section because this seems to be the major crossover between U2 and Oasis, and they obviously supported U2 on the pop tour, which is crazy because Oasis was such a big band at that time. I'm not suggesting it could have been necessarily the other way around, but in 1997, Oasis did not need to be supporting U2, who you know were charitably putting it not necessarily doing the best sort of stuff in people's eyes yeah i'm yeah i'm gonna let you off with that well I, i'm phrasing it how other people yeah you know i love pop i think it's fantastic and not everything associated with it right so anyway here we go oasis came out and played with us in san francisco this is bono talking they were in the full glory noel gallagher had always been a great advocate for you two if the music press was getting too precious oasis didn't really need to play support with you two they were one of the biggest bands in the world. In fact, when I mentioned the gig, Noel said, are you sure you want to support us? They were funny. They got the big S4 speakers at the side of the stage and turned around so they could get a full hit of the sound system. They just loved it. I don't think they were remotely interested or concerned if anyone loved them back, which was very endearing. There was an accident in that gig. This is uh, this is your, your friend of mine, Paul McGuinness. When a piece of rigging chain fell on the stage beside Bonehead, the Oasis guitarist, we would have found out how bony his head was if it was only a couple of feet closer. Who's writing this? Paul Paul McGuinness. He's full of zingers, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ed said, and this is this is a, this is a bit that I find most interesting. After the show, we went out. We went out for the night with Oasis. We were talking about songs, and Noel, not for the first time, saying said how much he loved one. Lo and behold, the song came on the radio at that very moment. I bet it wasn't at that actual actual moment I bet, I, bet it was... it, I bet it was like half an hour later oh we're just talking about this we? exactly without any hints of embarrassment everyone started singing Noel and Liam and Bono and I we are one but we are not the same that was one of those legendary nights we ended up un- we ended up until dawn at Tosca's a very funky little cafe barn that stayed open for us Bono stood on the bar and sang o- operatic arias I think it was also solo mio that he actually ended up singing Oasis legged it before us so Bono not slow to pick up on the implied victory took it as you two seeing off the Oasis Challenge in the Drinking Olympics. There we go. So, um, Well, yeah. that's interesting because that was 1997 and about 20 years later when Noel and his high-flying birds were supporting the Joshua Tree 30th anniversary tour, there's a story that Noel couldn't keep up with the level of drinking that apparently Bono still keeps up to this day. Mm-hmm. And he had told his driver to meet him very early one morning he packed his bags and i've just remembered i don't know the end of this story now well this that's not gonna be frustrating for the audience no i think i think i've got i've got the time wrong i'm gonna i'm gonna resurrect this i'm gonna resurrect this so as he's on his way to uh to meet his driver with all his bags packed bono grabs hold of him Mm -hmm. and takes him to this big dinner that bono has organized in celebration of noel's 50th birthday yeah and there's lots of luminaries and celebrities and 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 uh, you know, you know, important people around. Yep. 
and and Norm was like, I was just about to walk out on you know one of the biggest parties anyone's ever thrown for me. But he was basically trying to run away from the tour because mm. he couldn't handle the amount that Bono was making him drink every night. I bet Noel wouldn't tell the story that way, but... He but, probably yeah. wouldn't. I've read it four years ago. What do you want from me? But that's, but no, well, no, I'm not saying you're inaccurate. I'm saying that he would probably put a different gloss on it. But also... When no, we he was s- very he was being very honest. Like, I, I, couldn't, I, wanted to, I just wanted to leave. I, I wanted to stop enough. drinking. Well, I mean, for, for, you know, when we saw him in 2017, um, still looking fantastic, Noel. It um, was so good. I mean, I mean yeah. it, it really was. It was, an, it was a solid hour of not just high flying birds tracks but oasis tracks mm. and very important don't want to bring a downer um but because because manchester had just had the attack mm-hmm. and this was a couple of months later and don't look back in anger became the anthem of that tragedy yep and it was very powerful for people like myself and johnny and i, I suppose thousands and maybe more people uh to just to be able to be in a big crowd of people and sing that song, yeah, and it kind of released a lot of uh, weight. I felt like I hadn't been carrying. You know, I didn't know I'd been carrying that weight. Yeah, exactly. And th- and that song, not to do too much of a fast forward to the um, track by track review, but that song used to mean absolutely nothing. Actually, worse than nothing to me. <laughs> um, but it now means something and something positive. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, let's not go into that, shall we? Look at. The chart. Let's um, look at who charted. Yes, so uh, here we go. Um, hit it. New on the chart at number 10 this week, it's Man on the Edge by Iron Maiden. And at number 9, it's Staying Alive by Entrance featuring Ricardo DeForce. Up to 8 from 12, it's Something for the Pain by Bon Jovi. Up from 10 to 7, it's Somewhere Somehow by Wet Wet Wet. Falling down the chart this week at number 6, it's Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Staying at number five, it's Who the F is Alice by Smokey featuring Roy Chubby Brown. I hate that song. And at number four, You Are Not Alone by Michael Jackson. Number three, Bombastic by Shaggy. New on the chart at number two, it's Miss Shapes slash Salty for Ease and Whiz by Pulp. And staying at number one for another week, it's Furground by Simply Red. Hmm. Um... I would have been about seven years old when this occurred, and I do remember a lot of those songs. Um, I mean, it's hard to forget some of them. I wondered where "Who the F is Alice" yeah. came from, because <laughs> that gets sung a lot. Yeah, and um, and I knew the song existed before the later bit was added yeah. in, but it makes sense now that it's Roy Chubby Brown, yes, British comedian. If you in, if you if you like that kind of stuff, fine. <laughs> yeah. Real name Royston Vasey, which was used for the League of Gentlemen town. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Any well, more little nuggets before we get into the review? No, no, I think we're all right. Um, well, actually, actually, um, one thing I will say is if you if you want if you enjoy rock documentaries, and I know everyone listening to this probably already, already aware, um, Supersonic, very good documentary currently on Netflix, at least in the UK. I assume in in America as well. Um, fun fact about that: you can actually see my house in that documentary very briefly, and. Um, just around the corner from where Tyler and I are currently recording is Mr. Sifter's record shop. Um, it literally takes me about a minute to get away from that. Uh, get away from that? Get to, to go... Why, go why to... are you running away from Sifter's? I don't, I don't What's know. What's Mr. Sifter up to? It, nothing. He gave me some very decent prices on uh, on some uh, Part X uh, CDs that I wanted to get rid of. But that's featured in the song Shaker Maker with the lines, Mr. Sifter sold me songs when I was just 16, but now he stops at traffic lights, but only when they're green. Which I guess is a bit, a bit mean, implying that he doesn't know the rules of the road and the highway code. But well, he wasn't driving. 
No, what? He stops at traffic so lights. So the story behind that song oh, is... Oh, God. Whenever he gets this review, go They were on the way to record the album. Yes. And Noel hadn't finished the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And it, they were stopped at the traffic lights in Burning, which I'm, I'm talking to you because me and Johnny know where this is. It's around it's, the corner. Yeah, it's, <laughs> they were stopped at the traffic lights. It. Noel and Liam were in the back of the car. They looked out. He looked out the window, saw Mr. Sifters, and came up with that line. So that's where it, it came from. He really? handed them over to Liam and went, "There they are. Learn them by the time we get to the studio." Yeah, we're going to talk about about lyrics, and I think this is going to be an interesting chat that we're going to have all the way through whether um, lyrics are any good or not. This recorded at Rockfield Studio, the famous one that Queen recorded at. This is a second album, Tyler, which you got wrong on a previous podcast. This was that is... me that got it wrong? I knew one of us had got it wrong, but... Right. It wasn't me. I, I, I... We were told on Twitter that we got it wrong. Yep. Yes, you were. Um, <laughs> and It was released on the 2nd of October by Creation Records. And Noel said that this was one of the most fecund periods that he had where he was just writing song after song after song he said the songs had also not just gone up in quantity but quality everything had gone up a notch and this was one of the best times he'd ever had recording apparently the process for this was very very smooth that was one thing that i I took away from supersonic but also he said that um there were cricket bat fights and someone hit him in the head with a cricket bat at one at one point so i mean i mean i assume that was liam so kind of a mixture there was a, a mixture of great recording and the thing is if you've got a brace of songs like this then you're going to be happy going into the recording studio it's not like you two going into the studio with um like in, a, in an end love situation where they don't really actually have songs and just hammering them out for ages and ages so i think this is going to be an interesting review and there's some absolute bangers all the way through this album as i was editing this episode i thought this sounds like something i've got wrong and it turns out it was indeed noel who hit liam with the cricket bat the upcoming bit about plums that Tyler's talking about probably has nothing to do with reality either, but I'm not bothering to research that. Okay, enjoy the rest of the pod. It's really interesting that Liam used to hit Noel around the head with a cricket bat, mm-hmm. and famously the band broke up when Liam threw, uh, threw a plum at him. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, but Noel must have been at breaking point. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, but it is funny that cricket bats used to be involved and then it was a it was a plum being thrown that's what happens when i've you're never been a bit hit of money. by a plum and i hope i'm never hit by a plum it depends on the rightness I, I would be more annoyed if it like got juice on my shirt or something and, you know maybe it wouldn't come Are out you sure he didn't mean hit him in the plums no he threw a plum at him but did I, it hit I, him I, in the plums? i think the story is he walked into the dressing room and not liam saw him walk in the dressing room and f- threw a plum at him and and that's it. No, no was gone. Well, that's very typical. End from, of Oasis. It's very typical that considering when you watch Supersonic, I always want to say Semisonic, which is a totally different band. But when you when you watch that, you get a sense of how you know they are obviously a set of brothers and they are quite childish. One of the most interesting comparisons I heard Liam, uh, sorry, I heard Noel mate was that Liam is a dog. Like always wanting attention, always wanting to be patted on the head. Looking Find at this, that really at this. funny. Well, I thought it it just it summed things up really well. I mean, it is kind of mean, although I prefer dogs to cats. Um, and obviously, Noel said that he's a cat; he doesn't want to be bothered. Um, it seems like all Noel wanted to do during his teenage years was just listen to music, smoke weed, and that's it, really. Whereas Liam is much more of a look at me, look at me sort of person. Please smoke weed responsibly. Yes, which is not at all. Um, yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, who are we talking about? We're talking about Oasis. On lead vocals, we've got Liam Gallagher. On lead guitar, and it seems to be a lot of other stuff, just imagine the rest of it's Noel. It's Noel Gallagher. Uh, we've got Bonehead, which is Paul Arthur's on rhythm guitar, P- 
piano and Mellotron. Mellotron? Mellotron. Don't know what that is. Uh, Paul Gwigsy McGuigan on bass on all tracks except Cast No Shadow, Wonderwall, and She's Electric. Alan White on drums and percussion. And Tony McCarroll also on drums, on some might say. So uh, Before he was booted out, yep. And additional musician Paul Weller on Champagne Supernova. Yep, Paul Weller from The Jam, who up until today I did not know was anywhere near this album, had no idea at all. I mean, it makes sense, obviously. Both British institutions uh, both like that type of haircut, but I had no idea he was on this album. Um, Usual disclaimer, 20 minutes in, we do not know anything about Oasis. We barely know anything about U2, so if we've got things wrong, then sorry. But this is just our thoughts on an album that, if you like U2, well, then you, you might like this one too. So let's go track by track through What's the Story, Morning Glory. So here we are, we arrive at October the 2nd, 1995, and the first track is Hello at 3 minutes and 23 seconds. Hmm. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have picked that up then, but my dog Bunsen just snorted, which I guess is his critical opinion on this. Snored, not snorted. Well, he, he's a bosty, so he, it's sort of a, a snore snort. Yeah, hello, Tyler. It shows how much of a simpleton I am. I like the fact that the opening track is called Hello. Yeah, I really do. It's it's stupid how much I like that, but it just it fits and it works. Did you know about the Gary Glitter connection? Yeah, I wasn't going to name him. Well, I mean, he, he's... I mean, we're not, I don't think we're giving him much oxygen. I don't think people are going to go out and buy all the records just because we've named him. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible? Yeah, it'd be awful. Don't do that, please. Yeah, please, yeah. Actually. Um, yeah, so... Buy, buy literally anything else. So, yeah, so... Um, I mean, that that does... I wish I hadn't found that out, actually, because it kind of tarnishes a song which I've been really enjoying this week. Well, one of the criticisms about uh, Oasis and Noel Gallagher is how close some songs, and it turns out to be quite a lot of songs, yep. over the last 30 years. Uh, Noel's been known to beg, borrow, and steal from uh, other people, and, mm-hmm. you know, decide for yourselves. There's, there's a, a very good... Uh, video on youtube about the song comparisons and, and someone's really spent a lot of time to look back at just how close they are so i'll uh, leave a link to that um but yeah there's uh paul gad who um is gary glitter is mentioned as a writer on this track because mm. there is a, a, a definite similarity between oh yeah it's undeniable his songs. yeah yeah uh, and, and, I don't, and i refuse to search gary glitter so i don't you know i don't want to know yeah, uh, I guess this kind of feeds into what T.S. Eliot said about uh, about good artists. So he said, immature poets imitate, mature poets steal, bad poets deface what they take, and good poets may, uh, make it into something better, or at least something different, which I think the latter applies to Oasis. I think that's completely fair. I described it on Twitter today in response to Joe Maxwell, who has the problem, that problem with Oasis of stealing. Uh, I said, I like to think of him recycling and repurposing good riffs. Yeah. Melodies, exactly. lyrics, <laughs> outright chunks of songs. Yeah. Whole band's careers. <laughs> the Beatles. Um, um, yeah. So uh, what I really like about this is that mix intro. We get a bit of Wonderwall. Um, yeah, and that, you know, and then we it, it it like it changes. It's like like a record skips and it 
It's and a sleight of hand at the start of the album because most people hearing that are like, oh, is this is this is this Wonderwall? And then they they craning their ears to hear it, and then suddenly it's like you're wallop. tuning into the actual album, which yeah. I, I find really interesting. And it's funny because you would maybe expect, given the given the popularity of Wonderwall, that that would be the first song, you know, for some reason. But then it's like, no, it's we're not just Wonderwall. There's this as well, you know. It's it's and it's it's a really. Um, of course, no one heard Wonderwall. No, I know that. It's kind of like it's it's a, it's a retrospective thing that I'm sort of placing onto it. But it's I I love the way that this album is mixed and put together and produced. And this, I mean, we could get into this whole thing about the loudness wars, which I started reading on Wikipedia. And I mean, I'm a sound nerd, and even I got bored by reading about this whole thing. But essentially, music was getting louder and louder. Compression started to be more of a thing, and. Um, the blamed Oasis, along with a few other people, for this loudness was where, where people were realizing they could get things louder and louder by comp- by compressing things and losing some of that interesting dynamic range that you get in music. Well, the reason the Oasis did this was they knew that their tracks would be naturally louder. Yeah. So if they came on on a jukebox in a pub or a bar, for example, mm. it would grab your attention because all of a sudden this this boost of sound had just yeah you know just had just come out. Really clever. I like it. Uh, uh, it it's, it really kind. It's it's exactly what I would expect from Oasis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, be disruptive. Make uh, make a noise and make people hear you. Yeah. And that's I I think it just speaks to a certain teenage angst, which mm. apparently I'm only just feeling now that I'm thirty. <laughs> I think what you want about that. I don't I don't mm. know how to analyze that. I'm a big fan of that, and I think that's really clever and. Uh, almost ingenious, just just to get your song heard, like just to get people to go, oh, what's that? Yeah, they've noticed. Then they can't ignore Oasis, yeah. and you couldn't ignore Oasis. In in they they were on the news, you know. <laughs> it was ridiculous. The albums coming out was on the news. Yeah, they were they were um, a phenomenon, and, and you can you can if you see uh, Supersonic, then it, it really is good at charting just how huge they were. Um, which I mean, I kind of miss that really. These days, we don't really have we have stuff, but it seems to be over, and everything's a bit more diffuse. Yeah, we've got more diversity and variety, which is great, but we don't have huge bands that that really capture the zeitgeist in that sort of way. Well, I'm, I'm going to say for, right from the first, uh, uh, this is very very hummable. You might not know the lyrics, you might not know the song, yeah, but you get a sense of the melody, and you can start to hum it from the first listen. Yeah. Now, the problem I have with Definitely Maybe, and the reason I didn't choose Definitely Maybe for this podcast, is because I feel like the songs just aren't... They're not great pop songs, and maybe that's not what, what you care for. Maybe you prefer Definitely Maybe. But for me, this album is filled with what what's turned out to be classics. Five or six absolute classics. Yeah, it's disturbing how many classics are on here. The... That British people certainly know. Hmm. You might you might never listen to an Oasis album, but you know songs on this album, and you, you don't just know them; you know them word for word. Yeah, yeah. and that and that, and I speak. I think that really speaks to the power of this. It had a pop appeal, and if you're making music, you're making music to make money. And if you making if you end up making pop music, hmm. then you're going to make more money. And I just I just I'm so 
happy with this album personally because because <laughs> it made them lots of money. Uh, I, yeah, because that's the point. It's not the point. It's art, isn't it? I mean, the whole way to make an artistic <laughs> statement. I mean, I, I was letting you talk, but I, I kind of, I, you know, I would say that the point of songs ultimately is to make a the point a of statement. the music industry. Oh yeah, is find, to make money. Yeah, find the industry's point. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think this is a better album, therefore, than definitely maybe. Well, I, th- I mean, I think it's a better album than definitely maybe, but I think that's because it's the connection that they managed to make. I, I, I don't know that much about Oasis, and going through this album, it was very surprising just how thick with hits this is it's, it's incredible and now we're talking about the songs and lyrics and things like that this is a quote from Noel which I think is good to talk about right at the start so um Noel said about hello it's one of those it's one of the three songs on the album that's not about anything I spend as much time on the lyrics as I do on the music I'd like our kid i.e. Liam to spend more time on them but he spends no time at all now this feeds into pretty much I'd say every song on this album, Oasis songs really feel like they're about something. But a lot of the time, the lyrics do not bear that out in any sort of way. Now, bear with me, because I don't, I'm just, I'm, part of me, I'm very ambivalent about Oasis because part of me says this is just the fact that Liam couldn't be bothered doing lyrics or he would just grab the first line that he thought would rhyme with the next one, keep it relatively vague, and then go to the pub. Uh, and play the gig and that's it's it's not meant to be big poetry art it's just meant to get your tambourine have it you know all that sort of stuff and that's the point but the other side of me is that's a really snobby probably classist way of reading oasis to say well they're just these you know oiks who c- couldn't put a poem together and some of the lines in this album are beautiful and i know a lot of people like our good friend chris frost um probably grew up listening to this and would see incredible meaning and apply it to their own life so it's something that we're going to keep coming back to on this what do oasis mean and who decides that lyrically we've discussed this on the review two podcast i don't i don't know how much follow-over we have actually from review two so if we keep mentioning you two and it's annoying you i'm I'm sorry but bono always says what you signed up for though yeah bono likes to say that he with with his lyrics he's pushing the boulder halfway up the hill and it's up to the listener to then take that and mm. see, and and push it the rest of the way, yeah, and and therefore a song can mean a thousand different things to a thousand different people. Yes. Now, this is literally the first time in my life I've analysed lyrics by Oasis, and I never knew how nonsensical they were because I never thought about them. Mm. And most people don't think about lyrics; they just sing them because mm. it makes you happy. But they do sing along to them as well, like whatever you say about Oasis lyrics. People sing them and know them. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, is the point. Because they make lots of well, money I'm, from people singing them. No, I, just, I just think that the Oasis feels more like a movement sometimes than a band. It, it, if think, you were there in the 90s, would see yeah. and we were, we were young in the 90s, but we were I was aware, certainly, of how much of a movement Oasis was. It, it wasn't just a band. It, it felt like a way of life to a lot of people. Well, I remember seeing Noel Gallagher's picture in my copy of either the Dandy or the Beano, and they were making a joke about his eyebrows being bushy. Now, bear with me. That his shows... Unibrow. Yeah. He's well, only got one. Well, well, sorry, his brow being bushy. Like they, <laughs> they were making a joke that it was like a, a creepy crawly of some sort. Now, the thing is, for that to translate and for me to get that joke, yeah. there's got to be a massive 
awareness of that band, you know, and that particular figure. So, so yeah, yeah it, they were they were huge at that particular time. I've formerly been critical about people who dr- continue to dress like Liam Gallagher in the Parkers, you know, even on days like this where it's fifty degrees outside, you know. But I, and I, you know, it's not my particular style. Um, not that I have a particular. I was say, style. What is your particular? Style? <laughs> yeah, 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 it's it's, it's Jordans <laughs> normally and. And Levi five hundred ones, and that's about it. Mm, um, it's not a movement, and, and whatever T-shirt is is clean that day. Yeah. Um, so, but it, uh, I kind of get it now because those people that dressed like Liam Gallagher, Oasis changed their life, you know, and mm. and it's it just, just can't let go. And I, I, I just, I, I get it. I understand them, you know, and I'm, and I'm happy for them, and they're expressing themselves that way. Yeah. But it means you can spot an Oasis fan at 100 yards. Yeah, but that's the point, isn't it? I mean, it's just like with an Iron Maiden fan, just show off your passion. So Ideally, yeah. wore my Iron Maiden t-shirt today. <laughs> Wouldn't be appropriate for this, would it? Um, but the line I want to um, look at in, in this is, life is a game we play. Mm. Now, for guys in your early 20s, I mean, it is. Life is a game. It's not. You don't, it certainly was for them at this time. You don't have all the trappings of a house and kids and a missus, um, uh, or a Mister, mm-hmm. or a non-binary or whatever. You don't have all that when you're a kid. You don't think like that when you're a kid. And no, like, it's just mates and going to the pub and all that sort of stuff in in the world of Oasis. Yeah, but I think Noel, being the older, you know, writing the lyrics, I think Liam was able to come across as saying something profound. Mm. Because Noel had a, a bit more experience, and it really reminds me of um, the line in Watchmen, which is my favourite comic book thing ever, mm. uh, and the, the the line from the comedian, which says, "It's all a joke. Mm. That's it. It's just it's three words, but that's the in, that's the entirety of watch of Watchmen. It's all a joke. It's four words. <laughs> <laughs> I mean." It's is uh, uh, yeah I know yeah let's not get into the minutiae of this yeah but um but I always come back to that when life gets a bit too serious and I just I like to think about it's just it's all a joke it it doesn't at the end of it it doesn't mean anything yeah and that begins to make me feel better and something about I wish I could go back to being in my early twenties I think many people do yeah that carefree time in your life where you've got some money in your pocket. And you you can hang around with your friends all the time, and there's there's you've got a job that you really don't care about, <laughs> and but you, you can leave it as well. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just, and this is what this song was saying to me. You know, yeah. these this is a song, this is an album. Uh, it's called it called Hello. The album's not, but <laughs> it's a song and an album about that time in your life where things aren't everything. You know, you don't have a mortgage to worry about. Mm-hmm. You don't have car insurance to worry about. You know, you're not <laughs> that bothered about education um, no. or studying poetry. Yeah. But it's, it's, I like that, and I like that careless, reckless, youthful it's, abandon. It's full of life, definitely. And, I mean, I think it would be a great thing to just have a time travel back to, you know, a day in the, in the late 90s or mid-90s when this came out and just, you know, enjoy and, and revel in that and I'm sure Oasis were a fun bunch of guys to hang out with until the fighting started in which case I would just leave very quickly yeah, yeah, me yeah. and Noel would be like no do you want to go this is getting a bit well, silly I, I like to watch a fight I think a lot of people like to watch a fight not, not I, one... I like to be a safe enough distance away where I can shout advice at mm. the fighters right okay you know personally um, 
but yeah, uh, this is a banger of a tune. You, you have to agree with that, right? It, it, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I feel just from today because I only found out today that it was this Gary Glitter thing that it sort of tainted me, tainted it a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, it is banger. I love the wah wah. I love the fact that they're really. It's like how much wah wah do you want to use? All the wah wah. To do that. You love a wah wah. I'm partial and to look it. Look at elevation. Well, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah they saw elevation. Um. Well, Elevation, because it's by U2. I prefer pretty much everything that U2 have done. It's a testament to this album that this isn't heard more on the radio. Because a song a song of this quality on someone else's album, I think, would be a lead single. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing that I do keep coming back to. Um, the songs, even the deep cuts, are incredibly catchy. And wh- whatever we say, I mean, our opinion means nothing anyway, but whatever we say about this album... It is insane, the command of melody that's all the way through. That's something I, I never, ever underestimated about Oasis. Even when I was snobby about them, they can really do something that is incredibly hummable and memorable. They get melody. Noel Gallagher, in particular, gets mm. melody. Put that with Liam's voice, which is one of a kind. It's crazy. It's a, got a weird mix of seeming like he's... It's the most important thing, and he's not asked. It's plaintive, and it's he pronounces nasal. pronounces words differently. One word in particular. Sunshine. Shine. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I just... I I think I got that from um, Supersonic as well, where Nolan said he'd never seen anything like it. He would hand Liam the lyrics, and he wouldn't need... He'd play the song through once, yeah. and then Liam had it. Straight away, yeah. He just didn't... And I, and I think that must be a brother thing. I, I think there's got to be very few people that could do that. If you know, if you're not related, you've got to be somewhat in tune. You've got to have the same DNA or something going on that you actually are able to do that. Track number two now. Roll with it at exactly four seconds. Not four seconds. <laughs> That's a very short song. You've got to roll with it. Done. <laughs> Symbols. <laughs> Doing that again, you know. Oh, well, I might keep this in. <laughs> track number two, roll with it at exactly four minutes. Now, when I see a track that's exactly four minutes, I think that's a single. Mm. And I'm right, it was a single, and it was released on the 14th of August, 1995. Yeah, and featured on, on Now 31, as from what I can remember. <laughs> um, the first 40 seconds of this track are... And I don't use this word inadvisedly. I would say glorious. Okay, I think, and I've tried to listen to this objectively, which is the problem with a lot of these songs. Like to to listen to this album with any sort of objectivity or new ears is very very difficult. But the first, have you got some new ears, Johnny? I, I, I didn't know you'd notice them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these old things. Um, yeah. Anyway, so so first forty seconds, brilliant. But to be honest, once you've had that melody for for about three minutes of those four minutes i'm kind of done with it really and i'm ready to roll on to the next track to be honest but imagine you're in a live crowd that four minutes is gonna fly by yeah yeah yeah. and and i think not to just keep bringing it back to supersonic oasis are a really good live band it would seem when they're when they're actually turned up and they're not you know still up from the night before because there was some very bad footage of them Dying when in America. Not on crystal meth. Yeah, when they're when yeah. they're not mistakenly taken crystal meth, <laughs> <laughs> which you know of the mistakes you can make is pretty high. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, the uh, 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 people in 1995 really disagreed with you because it, this this came this came to 
uh, number two in the UK charts. Yeah, I'm amazed it wasn't a um, a top, you know, a, a top, you know, the number one spot. Um, Noel said that it's just great, mindless, senseless pop music. And again, this is this is something that um, this is something that I think Noel keeps saying here. So he says, "Yeah, it's a good one. It's about f all. I like the sentiment of that song. It's a simple rock and roll tune, and it's sold all right." Now, all right. Well, well, yeah. Um, the thing is, Noel doesn't seem like someone who would want to claim airs and graces or intellectual things or accolades for songs which he don't he doesn't think is there. But I think he probably undervalues the the way that people see meaning in these sorts of songs. But again, I'm going to keep coming back to this thing of I'm always thrown between these two things of this is just great melodic, but essentially meaningless rock and roll stuff. Or is this something that actually with the right context and the right feeling, you could read really huge emotions into this. People listen to Oasis and you can see at the crowds, you know, at Nebworth and all the other big um, gigs that they did, people absolutely singing their hearts out. But then if you ask them, what is this song about? They'd be like, oh, I don't know. It's just like, it's just like, you know, have it, whatever. And it's really difficult to actually come up with something to say about Roll With It because you've got to roll with it. You've got to take your time. You've got to say what you say. Oh, yeah, go on. And, uh, and don't let anyone get in your way. Yeah. So, I mean, in one on one level, that's just... It's just trite rubbish, isn't it? I mean, it's just stupid. But on the other level, it's like independence and doing and not giving up and being no. But if you're sixteen, if, if you're sixteen and you're listening to that, you yeah, know, and that's true. and and sometimes I think we we're a bit we're a bit too well read. You certainly are <laughs> too well read. Yeah, too too well read. You know, like because people aren't you know like that. Yeah, fine. I, I, no one in our families is that well read. You know, we're, we're the odd ones. You know, so like you know, to 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 people that haven't read the complete works of Christopher Hitchens, you know that that can be quite a profound song, and that can be enough to like go. No, I'm, I'm I can imagine this song really even now helping people. See, sometimes it's the simplest of lyrics that have the hardest punch. Well, yeah, obviously, and that and that's what carries these songs in a in a crowd situation, and which makes them endure. I think this is also where. You start to hear when I well, this is where I start to see crossovers with the sound of pop as well. So sonically, you can tell that you two on pop, which yeah, yeah, unfinished, whatever. You can tell that when they went into that recording process, that let's just part the dance music half of that album to one side, the rock side of that album. You can see Edge and Bono being like, "What do we want this to sound like?" well, point to a lot of the Oasis songs on this album like that. Fuzzy, big guitars, a lot of reverb, that because sort of stuff. It's Distortion. funny what Pop actually sounded like was like nothing else that's ever existed. Well, I'd say there's a lot of crossover on here. There's... Would you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to me, and I, I might be in a, a minority of one I can here. see it more in Pop, Matt, when, when yeah. you've got Bono doing the swagger. You know the yeah. the, the, the the Liam that's would do. true, and that's directly inherited again. You oh yeah, nicking stuff. Like, but that, in a good that way. whole entrance, the the way that you know Bono comes on stage. Yeah. he's it's weird because he's mimicking Liam in a way that Liam would never ever ever approve of. Yeah, because it's so big and and you see Oasis. I can't. I wish I was at that gig to see Oasis play a Pop Mart stage. Mm. Because with the light, with the you know, was it lit up? What 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 did it look like? We can maybe have a look on YouTube, but um, I don't think it's there. I think I have looked in the past. Okay, um, 
yeah, I think I think there is a big sound. Big fuzzy semi hollow body guitars like the ones that um Noel uses. They're a big part of pop sound to me anyway. And the sort of return to big sort of chunky riffs as well. Like the there's there's a sense of um T Rex on this album, I think. You know, quite that sort of like like all those sorts of stuff are never that I mean, far away. That's just an Oasis song. Well, a T Rex song. But... Well, but who can tell? You know, it's 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 a very similar sort of thing. So yeah, I, I but I, a very different vibe. Oh yeah, you know, totally. they might be playing the same notes. Yeah, in exactly the same order, <laughs> at exactly the same time scale, mm. but a very different vibe. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. So what I really love about this is a, v- a few little nice bits that really pop out when you listen, as always on closed cans. Uh, there's a acoustic guitar bedded over the very distorted riff and it gives it the song a very unique sound um and there's there's echoes on the vocals it's like it's not a necessarily a duel but the the echo is very it's a very long delay mm-hmm. and i don't think normally people would leave it that long but it can kind of surprise you that Liam's voice comes back in, you know, five, six seconds later, and Noel's mm. voice comes back in five, six seconds later. Do you like the harmonies that start in, like, from one of the later verses? I found they do me add in a little bit, actually. Um. So obviously, I, I, I know I, I like I, all the way through this. I was, I was particularly focusing on uh, Noel and Liam because I thought you'd be focusing on the guitars, which again, there's, you know, they kind of matched up really well. Mm. Um. I did nothing and nothing wrong with it annoys me. It's just look, I think Noel is really really good at doing backing harmonies and throughout this album when he like in Hello he, his um backing up singing is very very good. I just don't like when it that's when the song starts to get tedious for me when it gets to those later verses and he's backing up. Yeah, but not in the way that I like. Clearly. Um <laughs> I I I uh I, I did notice the lyrics like being pretty nonsensical. Uh, but I, I feel like I feel like saying that I feel like people would say we're missing the point. Again, yeah. I feel like we're we're at fault because I and I, I like to think that I get it because I think it's like it's music for angry young adults, you know, undervalued, underappreciated, underemployed. Well, yeah, w- the working class of the nineties. You're not meant to analyze that. You're just meant to roll with it. That's the whole point, isn't it? I just, I just. But also take your time. Even even knowing all that, even saying all that, all the neg- you know the people that it's for, mm-hmm. it, it could give it a very down and out quality. But it's so positive and uplifting, and it reminds me of nice, lovely summer times, you know, in my childhood. So I'm very, I, it, it's kind of been really nice to go back and listen yeah, to this yeah, on yeah, such yeah. high rotation. Um, it's it's got an I won't be ignored attitude to it. Even if you don't want to listen to this song, you'll end up tapping your foot or singing along to it i it, wonder what the reaction would be if you put this on i mean obviously i'm, I'm imagining this is not in a covid time but if you just put it on in like your, your average sort of bar i guess it depends on the bar doesn't it but i imagine you can stick this on and in like one of the, the local bars and see some people be like oh yeah into it tapping the foot and then some people possibly hipsterish people be like oh god rolling their eyes like oh this again me included i would probably do that to be honest so i just it's it's a weird song you roll your eyes at a lot. Like what? Name one thing I've ever rolled my eyes at. For the first five years of knowing you, I thought you had a wondering eye. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, I, I just I, I get there's an attitude to this which I really love. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, and it's, it's an a attitude vibe. in it being positive as as well. It's not you know. F you, I won't do what you tell me. You know, which clearly has an attitude about it. Certainly does. But in a in a very angry, um, go and sit in the naughty corner kind of way. Yeah. This this just it's positive. It's rebellious to be positive. Yeah. Look, yeah. There's a. Look, I think uh, whenever I think about this whole idea of is it just an attitude thing, I get this idea of him saying have it, and you know, like Liam coming on stage and doing that with his hands. You know, where like he's holding his arms down low, but just having the the bottom of his fingers like like to the crowd and geeing them up. Do you know which Yeah, I know what you I know what yeah. you mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that, yeah, I like that that kind of thing. I, I mean, mean and he, I wouldn't do it myself. He burrs his teeth, you know, bites bites the bites the bottom lip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's I mean I'm not th- flirting with you, Johnny, I promise. No. Uh this <laughs> is one long romance this podcast. Um <laughs> yeah. certainly long. Well, uh, well, speaking of which, do you have anything else to say about Roll With It? Uh, no, next right. track. Well, Numbers. anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> I wanted to say that. That's the one thing. I've been waiting to bloody say that joke. He stepped all over it. Uh. Anyway, here's Wonderwall at 4 minutes 18 around about. It always seems like we have different times. Um, no, I've got the same one. Right, good. Uh, this is a really weird song to talk about, and I feel the same as when we first, you know, cast your mind back however many years it is now. You know when we started talking about with or without you, yeah, and yeah. it feels like how do you even approach this song? I hate my review of with or without you. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't like mine either. Um, I don't think we did the Joshua Tree justice at all. No, because we recorded two albums in one day. Yeah, we learned our lesson that day. Yeah. Um, if only you two could do that. Yeah, um, I tried to listen to this song with fresh ears um, this this time around. I genuinely tried because this is. The bane of guitar shop technicians. Um, this is, you know, every single idiot who walks around a campus with a guitar, trying to impress people, who only knows one song. It, it's it's probably an albatross round Noel's neck, although a very uh, financially beneficial albatross. I, I remember probably about ten years ago, we were we were having a party at your mum and dad's, mm-hmm. and uh, a guitar came out. Now I could at that point could only play two songs. People could argue that I can still only play two songs. Mm, if that. And I started playing Wonderwall, and you just went, Tyler, nobody wants to listen to Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> and, I was, and I was wondering if that is effectively your feelings towards Wonderwall. Well, I, I tried to listen to it with new ears, and do you know what? I did I did enjoy it, right? Okay, and I think this is a thing. I mean, it's not a massive insight, but I think people are going to obviously put their own mark on this song. I don't think it is about one thing specifically. Um, although, and we're not, I don't think you or I are particularly that bothered about what an artist necessarily says that's a song meaning. I think too many people, and this is the default thing that you grow up with, is what the artist says about the song is what it means. That's not true. Obviously, like we said with the, Bo- the Bono Boulder thing, you have a certain role in creating that. So apparently Gallagher said um, the song was originally titled Wishing Stone and he told the enemy that um, it was written for Meg Matthews, his then girlfriend and later wife. However, Gallagher, after they divorced in 2001, said the song was not about her. The meaning of that song was taken away from me by the media who jumped on it. And how do you tell your missus that it's not about her once she reads that it is? So... Obviously, people who read this are not necessarily going to be thinking about Meg Matthews. I think it's one of those songs that has such a soul to it that you're obviously just going to relate it to your own life and experiences and put your own mark on it, which 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 makes sense. And it's for that kind of song, it's it's incredibly successful. 
I, you know, I completely agree. It felt strange for me listening to Liam sing it. Yeah. Because I'm so much, so much more used to listening to listening to um, Noel singing it. Noel singing it, mm. uh, particularly Ryan Adams singing it, and I feel yep. like Ryan really, as controversial a figure as he is currently, um, uh, very unfortunately for me, he's a, a big fan. Big fan and, yeah. And, don't really know how to sort it out in my head either. Yeah. Um, but um, he rearranged his version after hearing that version, didn't he? He said he took conscious influence from that and Noel, rearranged it. Noel said, "Yeah, Noel said that um, he was, you know, inspired by the way Ryan had done it. And actually, the last time I saw Ryan Adams live, Liam Gallagher was in the audience mm. um, because I heard crowd control saying, oh, Liam Gallagher's just turned up.' <laughs> so you know, I wonder like, how they said that." <laughs> Well, no, because they, I think they knew he was coming. Oh, right. I thought, you know, you know. Is, they so, went, oh, bloody so, hell. They don't know where he's going to turn up. Liam's turned up. Quickly protect all the other fans in the audience from him. Because <laughs> um, he so, someone. Um, but it's, it's strange hearing this, because a, a lot of the time when you hear this, you're in a pub, you had a few drinks, uh, it's particularly if it's a busy pub, it's, a, it's the song that everybody will sing along to. Yep. For the entirety of the song, every single word they'll sing it. They'll, they'll scream it from the lungs. So actually, going back to listen to the proper track and hearing, you know, and hearing little bits of melodies that yeah. I'm unfamiliar with hearing because I don't listen to this on closed cans very often. But I, I did this. Listen, going coming back listening to it was weird because I, I, I listened to the song like you did closed cans, obviously, and you listen to that opening acoustic, and I was like, wait, that's not Wonderwall. But what's annoying me is, or what I'm getting confused with is. People have people play it on acoustic, but they don't play it that way, like the correct way, the way that it's done on on there. They sort of fudge it, which is what I do most of the time if I'm playing a song. I don't play it exactly how it's ri- how it's written on the record. But it was just so weird to hear it and be like, wait, is this what it actually sounds like? Um. So yeah, it was a very very odd experience. I I, I think the thing that I really enjoyed this time about it, and it is obviously a classic. And I mean, I, I, I stop me if you've heard these these lyrics before, but I'll give you, uh, I'll just read these lyrics and then I'll, I'll talk about them very briefly because I've not got many lyrics. Like I said, most of the lyrics are pretty meaningless on this album to me. All the roads we have to walk are winding and all the lights that lead us there are blinding. There are many things that I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. Right. Now, one of the things I really like about that, as incredibly etched on everyone's consciousness as those lyrics are... It's quite banal when you uh, when you when I say when, it like you, that. You know, when you single them out, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing, right? That's the thing. That last two lines. There are many things that I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. Those. That's such. There's like, the refrain as well of I don't know how. You know, the repeats that I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, as I mean, if he's really, you know, stuck think, with it, thinking about how to say it and can't quite decide. Get, get it across, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, right? Oasis are from um, a particular area, a particular class. They have a particular feeling. They're not interested, or at least on the on the surface, in lots of um, overly elaborate um, metaphors and complex language. Pretty much every single word in that little bit there is a monosyllable, right? Very very simple language that expresses a really complex feeling, which is that you can't express how and you imagery. feel. And imagery, complex imagery. Well. Just yeah, the first bits, the winding and the blinding bits, yeah. But the first bit, sorry, the second bit there, where it says about not being able to say how he feels, that's a really complex idea expressed in simple language, where he's saying that he can't express the way he feels, but he is doing it. 
Uh, yeah, but by saying I can't express, if you're saying I don't know how to tell you how I feel, well then then that feeling could be anything, and it, when when it, when you listen to it, whatever's in your head, it could be that very feeling. Mm. Whereas if you wrote a song which is very delicate and you know particular, and this is exactly how I'm feeling, this is exactly what I want to say, mm. then it doesn't leave a lot of room for the listener to, um, you know, to yeah. to put it's, it you know onto their own life. It's many things. So. Every single person, like, so say you've got one guy listening to this in his car on the way home, the many things that he wants to say to his wife, you know, oh, the, uh... <laughs> Every time! Yeah, they know we're recording and they turn I up. haven't seen an ice cream van in years, apart from when I come here. It's a decent van, it's got just an ice very cream. loud. Come to Burnage, apparently, it's famous for Oasis and ice creams. Yeah, um, insanely loud chime. Um, but yeah, anyway... Do you uh, want one? No, no, not right now, let's do, let's do the podcast, I'm fine. Um... Anyone else? Anyway, many many things. Yeah, that can mean anything. The dude driving his car on the way home would would see that totally different to the office worker pondering over whether she still loves her partner anymore. You know, it's all the many things that they'd like to say to you, totally different for every person. Or the office manager wondering if he's uh, ordered enough toner that, that month. <laughs> there are many things I'd like to say to you, printer company. <laughs> Could I have some more cyan? We're running low. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I've I've nothing more to say about Wonderwall, and I'm sure we've not even scratched the surface. The only thing I want to say um, about the actual song is Liam's heart doesn't seem into this as much as you know it is in on other tracks. I'm, I'm I'm wondering if Liam wasn't really on board with this song particularly. I like that sort of very slight detached tone though, because it would be really it'd be a very easy song to overdo, which people always do when they do it on karaoke they put too much emotion in i think that's the strength of the song yeah. i'd say it doesn't become like schmaltzy also Noel played the bass on this oh didn't Noel write wonderwall and don't look back in anger um and he off he said to liam you can sing one of them and <laughs> liam chose wonderwall and and noel was like yes i get to do don't look back in anger yeah uh, that sounds... I, think that, I think that's the story in supersonic <laughs> that's the story Morning Glory. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that uh, charted at number two also. Mad. Mad when you think about it yeah, now. Yeah, crazy. Um, wait, 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 actually, I, I looked at this before. Um, on Spotify, guess how many listens on Spotify Wonderwall has got? I'm saying this in a slow way because Spotify is now lurching into life. So now, Tyler, how, how many do you think it has? 14 million. Right, Because it's, 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 it's a time frame on Spotify, isn't it? Isn't it per month? I didn't think so. I thought it was total listens. I don't think it is total listens. Right, I'm I not, could be wrong. Right, I'm not going to be able to say this number, okay? Um, but it's one comma one six five comma four zero six comma three eight nine. So I think that's it. Might be all time, yeah. I think that's what that's one billion. I don't, I don't really know how it works. I know in different bits, branches of mathematics and science, billion and trillion well, mean different things. But isn't a million a different thing in the UK as the US? Yeah. Let's not get into this. Anyway, look, it's a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a hefty amount. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, fine. So let's get on to track number four then. Don't look back in anger at four minutes 48. I've done your thing now where I keep mentioning how long the song is. It's not necessary. Released on the 19th of February 1996. Mm. So this is a long time after because some might say came out uh, nearly a year before. Some might say came out. Where are we? On the twenty fourth of April, so it's ten months later. Yep, um, they dominated the tr- the charts over <laughs> such a long time. They, they really did. They yeah. really, really did. Um, go on. 
Sorry, guys. Uh, my, my my dog Bunsen is just currently bothering Tyler and I. We're recording in a different in a different place, which is why this might sound slightly different as well. But he's been uh, doing his darndest to try and appear on the podcast himself because he has quite strong feelings about about music. So um, anyway, let's have a look at what Noel said about this because I think once you hear the start of those chords, a certain band from Liverpool are going to start to come into people's minds. So Noel said, in the case of Don't Look Back in Anger. The opening riff is Imagine. 50% of it's there to wind people up. The other 50% is saying, look, this is how the songs like Don't Look Back in Anger come about because they're inspired by songs like Imagine. And no matter what people might think, there will be some 13-year-old kid out there who will read an interview and think, Imagine, I've never heard that song. And he might go and buy the album. You know what I mean? I didn't need to add that bit at the end. But, I love that. I love because Liam can't complete a sentence with, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I can't remember if that's no. I assume that's no, but... Um, uh, no, I, I mean, I like it. Yeah, I've never ever made that connection before ever. Really, and I'm really familiar with both songs. In in fact, uh, my dad used to have this big cassette, like it's like a cassette case. He had two of them, and he had, all the cassettes were matching. They all had like gold spines, and it, it must have been like a classics collection that my dad decided to collect. And there was so so much rubbish in there, like Andy Williams, which if you like that kind of I thing... I like Andy Williams. Fine, right, fine. I'm not... Oh, wait, I, no, I'm thinking of something. I'm thinking of Andrew Gold, as in, you know, uh, talk to my baby on the telephone. We one. cut in this, are we? No, go on, go on. Right. One of the few records in there, the few tapes in there that I was actually interested in uh, was John Lennon, Imagine. And uh, I, I kind of like listening to music on the format it was released. I know that's really nerdy and stupid, but there's something for me that's mm. spiritual about it. I love it. Right. It's <laughs> a new character. <laughs> Go on. That's my spiritualist guy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, I'd never, I've never seen that, but I am familiar with it. Um, but this must be one of the first songs that I knew all the words to. We'd go in, I would have been five yep. years old when this came out. And my brother would play it on repeat. And, you know, I struggled to make a lot of notes when I was listening to this. Because it reminds me of that time. And, uh, as I said, my brother was ten years older than me. And it, it reminded me of this very specific memory mm. where my brother was doing um, so work okay. experience. Right. Um, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna name these places because Johnny knows where they are. Um, but from, from and you can look them up. Yeah, from from where we, from where we grew up uh, in Standish, a very there's a country park called Hay Hall. Yep. which is very so- a very solid, close distance, solid park. But if you're walking, it's quite a long way. Yep. and there was a very very big hill in in between. Massive it is. Right, and my mum. Is the kind of person that we go. Oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you a lift today, that kind of thing. But this one morning, um, I think I wasn't very well, and my brother's playing up because he at fifteen, fifteen, sixteen, he can't get the lift to Hay Hall mm. to do his work experience, so he's got to get his bike. So it transpired that my brother turns up. I can't go. I'm on my uh, my my tires have popped on my my bike mm. so what he'd done is he'd gone out and he'd let his tires down as in he'd opened he the del- valve he deliberately yeah yeah like, he hadn't slashed his own tire no he hadn't slashed it right, he deliberately that would be crazy so that he could get a lift and my yes. mum's got a hand uh, got a hands full with me yeah and like, what were so you my, doing? my mum I, I was ill 
Oh, yes. Sorry. So, therefore, you know. I've, I've, yeah, fine. Sorry. Ten minutes ago when this story began, I <laughs> So, my mum is desperately trying to, like, pump up these tyres that my brother's just let down. Um, I'm, my brother's just got, Mum, I'm going to be late. You just might, you might as well just give me a lift. And she, he wound my mum up to the point where my mum was t- snapped the bike pump off the tyre and starts chasing my brother down the street. And she's like, swing in my head, she's swinging this bike pump around her head, kind of like a cartoon. And I asked my mum about this recently, and she went, honestly, that day, if I'd have caught him, I'd have killed him. <laughs> and, I, and I can imagine, because he just wound her up. To, inflated to him point. to the point of death. And and now when I think of, then I listen to this song, I can I just see my brother, like this really long, what, what turned out to be a very long journey for him, because mm. he had to walk. And it's just very funny for me that, but this is this is what I mean. There's a lot of joy on this album, mm. as we said in the intro. This song has now become to mean something else. But there's a lot mm. of joyful childhood memories attached to the album. Like your mum abusing your brother by chasing him down. Like, she didn't abuse him. Him. She didn't catch him. Oh right, sorry. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no abuse because she didn't catch him. He's still alive. He's well, forty. Well, He's let, doing fine. Let me tell my um, anecdote about this. When I was in university. We go out to Club Call Fifth Ave. It was never my first choice, but the consensus held, and I was dragged along with everyone. Um, some might say that I should have been um, more independent-minded. Anyway, at the end of Fifth Ave, the ritual was that this song would always come on, and it was like a, it was quite clever actually, because it was a, a sign that right, everyone's going home. You know, that's it's finishing off. And I, contrarian knob that I was, would just be like folded arms. Aww. You know, probably leaning on the bar, you know, with a with a whiskey or something, being like, "Oh, this is this is so stupid," and everyone's singing along to it. So I actively disliked this song for a long time. I would say it was meaningless and vacuous and silly. Right. Flash forward. Flash forward. Twenty fifth of May, and we did talk about this before, but this was um, after the attacks that had occurred in Manchester. Three days after. Three days after, there was a woman who spontaneously just started singing this song after the minute silence in the city centre. You can look at this on YouTube and I'll put a link in the description. I genuinely like started crying today looking at that video. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like and not because I, I wanna get all like all overly sentimental about, about stuff and start making things about me or anything. You never want to get overly sentimental. No, about no, I, I no I try I really try not to, but um <laughs> but it's the, it's a real testament to how strong the melody is in this song. The and the I don't it's really difficult. We're not gonna to get to the end of this album with actually describing what this is. This sort of feeling that's in it that you can put your own mark on it. So it's from a song that I loathed to being something that's made me upset, you know, but in a good way, in a in a respectful way, it's incredible. And it and it, it, it's, it is a, it's moving and I think it's moving yes. because away I, I say Oasis have transcended being a band. They have become part of the DNA for a certain generation and mm. it's not my generation it's not your generation it's the generation above it's us my brother's generation to be honest but three yeah. years older yeah yeah, yeah. We, we missed we missed Oasis by about five years I reckon yeah yeah, yeah. and and I, and, I, and I think that's because it has the same power on me when I hear it now that's all it reminds me of and it's a very um, it's not something I enjoy thinking about you know but it's something I no, need it's poignant isn't yeah, it yeah it's poignant I need to remember it so that, that's that's right, and I get what I get what you're saying there. I mm. hope I've not interrupted your point either. No, no, the the point was just that really, and like I, I, 
I don't have a huge amount to say about it apart apart from that. Um, I don't feel like I need to go into the like the history of the song or anything like that. But that that's what it means to me, and it's it is clearly a great a great song. And it's just weird that I really hated it for so long, not for any good reason. And it's not like I'm going to be putting it on all the time, but it just it just means a lot now. Well, it got to number one. Well, thank God for that. Thank God one of them did. Well, Imagine if, they, if none of them had gone to number one. I, yeah, I've been surprised. We've, we've not really talked about this whole um, Blur Oasis thing, which we, we don't really have to either, but that was something that was um, it was very current around this time. And there was the... Was it Roll With It versus Country House? Was that the was that the thing? Was that the... Yeah. Right, okay. And, and Blur won that kind of battle. Yeah, that yeah. week. So if they won the battle, who won the war? Not that either of us really cared that much about Oasis either Oasis. Oasis won the war. You think confidently? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, probably. The more famous, the more well known. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and look, if someone said, "Hey, you've got tickets," if you're from outside the UK and you're listening right now, if you go over to um, on Twitter at uh, it's at rev underscore u two. If you go there and you tell us if a have you heard of Blur. And B, if if you think, you know, if you think they're, they're bigger than Oasis. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, from my point of view, Oasis, at that that point in time, that was the chart battle. It, it was literally on the six o'clock news. It was a big deal, right? So let, let us know. I think Blur were targeted at a, a slightly older audience. Yeah, I think it was more of a class thing as well. Like Blur were was seen as London, middle class, a bit posher, obviously Oasis, working class, northern, that sort of thing. So I think that's where they... I mean, I think if I got the choice, I would definitely go to watch Oasis play, I think, overall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly. I, I, I like Blur. I'm, I'm not trying to I pick sides. I Gorillas to Blur. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of good songs on Gorillas. Yeah. They showed a lead singer. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Mick Jones and uh, Paul Simonon uh, joined them. Anyway. Hey now, it's time for track five. Which is called what? Hey now! <laughs> it's going to be a who's on first thing where we just go round and round and round. Five minutes, 41 seconds. Doesn't need to be that long. It's too long, I think, this song. I didn't know this song. Uh, the melody is instantly memorable, as you would expect from this album. Yeah. Other than that, I have nothing to say about it. Well, this is a weird one, because up until now, it's been very, very difficult to leave, to check your preconceptions at the door. Because, you know, you can't listen to Wonderwall without having a million associations with it already. You know, mm. be it hearing annoying people sing it in parks uh, or at karaoke, having it rammed down your throat in, like, Tesco or something, or Family Guy referencing it, you know, something like that. This is weird, though, because this feels like it's it's a totally fresh... I'd never heard this song ever before I heard this, so it's... It's a totally new song, and it's nice. It's nice and shiny, and the melody's great. But it's not been pre-ruined by having it, you know, played so many times. So I, I thought this was great. I just think it's a little bit long, and it's, it's enjoyable. Perhaps, perhaps why I, I'm a little cool on it at the minute is because um, it's it's not as instantly. Um, I don't know it like the, I'm not familiar with it like the other ones. Maybe it that's could have been reason. a single though, couldn't it? I mean, I, th- I think this could have been a single. It, it wouldn't have been as successful as the other ones, but I think th- this is catchy enough. Where you once you hear that, I mean, a good test with a song is after you hear the first line of the verse, can you sing the next line? Just the, the melody of it, you know. Obviously, you wouldn't know the lyrics. No, I think you can. Yeah, Certainly. exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. So, it's, it, I mean, 
again, it's a testament to the melody. I think this is also one of the most Beatles-y in the pre-chorus. And I don't mean that in a, oh, it's a rip-off sort of way. I just mean in terms of vibe and sound, it's very Beatles-y in the pre-chorus. And I think it's great. And the only thing I really have got to say about it, notes-wise, is there's a bit where he says, and this is a theme all the way through the album, be yourself, be independent, don't worry about what other people think of you, which is something they say, but I think they've always got one eye on what someone else is thinking or saying about them. But it says feel no shame as well, which is something that I think is really positive about this album. If you, if you, I mean, I don't like how many fights Oasis got in, and I don't like the attitude they have. Like it's, It makes for a good rock and roll they documentary. They enjoy being in a fight. They yeah, like to yeah, fight. But I don't like people who like fighting. I think it's silly. Like, don't stop being if silly. You, if, if you get two of them, in, you know, together, then it's fine, you know. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I suppose it's a spectacle, but, like, there's a story about them going over to Amsterdam and they got kicked off the ferry, <laughs> which is, it makes for a great story, but... <laughs> If that were any of my friends, I'd if, be absolutely if, mortified. If we were in a band, it's the kind of thing that I would get myself involved in and it, to, and it would really annoy you, you know? You're definitely more Liam and I'm more Noel if we have to make those sorts of distinctions. Yeah, probably. In that, in that attitude, I mean. I don't mean that in terms of songwriting. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy a certain amount of chaos. In which case, we're probably both bonehead. Um. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Gwigsy. <laughs> No, I'm the I'm the drummer because I can't I can't play anything. You can get kicked out. <laughs> um, so uh, this is uh, track number six, Swamp Song, excerpt one, and it's uh, forty four seconds long. Now I did think that I w- this was going to be a very different podcast because I, I Johnny was taking a long time to get to know this album, and I wanted to record this podcast weeks and weeks ago. And I'm very busy. Mm, well. I'm incredibly busy. Yeah, all right. Marking from dusk till dawn. Yeah. Um, so, I, I this is a little warning for you. I'm going to say, if if this turns out to be your favourite track on this review, well, I'm going to punch you in the nose. Well, right. Get just ready. To, just to back up what we just said on Hey Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Violent. <laughs> No, this is just a little Sorbet song, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I was umming and ahhing about these two. I mean, I think we should take the Swamp songs as kind of a, a, a duo. They both just seem like little snippets from the studio that don't mean anything. It's almost like you've stepped into the studio and the lads are having a laugh. Just having a bit of a laugh, you know, on, on, the, on, on various instruments. Playing very generic rock sort of riffs and there's a bit of harmonica there, that sort of stuff. Oh, not harmonica, it's something like that. But... I, I, I kind of like them and I wouldn't take them I imagine there's maybe some people who'd say they're not really contributing anything I mean amid an album of absolute tunes you know like Stone, Stone Cold Classics you think do you need these snippets of just random jams I like it it breaks I, it up a bit yeah I like them I think, I, exactly it's sort of like a little sorbet thing and also it's they feel like the sort of stuff that you might record when you're just noodling around as a little demo, and they probably get, they probably carry on a bit longer, but they probably get a bit bad. This is where you know like someone plays a duff note or something. You can feel them fading out just as they're starting to get bad, and then a good, and then a great song comes in. So fine, yeah. Um, I, I don't know why they're called the Swamp Songs. I, I could look it up, but if anyone wants to tell me, then they were untitled at first. Yeah, well, yeah, it says it was untitled it, one and two, and then now they become the Swamp Songs. Yeah. Well, there we go. Swamp things. Interesting link to the last episode. Talking Heads have a song called Swamp. Yeah, good song. Track number seven, Some Might Say, 5 minutes 27, released on the 24th of April 1995 and charted at number one. Mm. 
it's another it's another one of those songs that I just feel really weird approaching because I feel like I've not got enough to say about it, but also it clearly has had such a massive impact on rock music in general. The production, Fuck. yeah, the production is incredible. The melody is incredible. Um, the only thing that annoys me about this song... I, I, I think it's the best composition on the album. Uh, yeah, I mean, well... I think I mean, the production jumps, actually, for this track. Yeah. And, and I mean, so I guess we're looking ahead to what our sweetest thing is. This is my sweetest thing. It's, it's the best song on the album, in my opinion. I think this is an absolute sweet spot where everything that Oasis do well... It works, and um, Noel actually stated it, it is the archetypical Oasis song and defines what Oasis is. So you've got the kind of ballsy attitude, you've got big riffs, a real energy that's then combined. Like because they, they tend to have this, you know, there's like a big riff, but then there's often that sort of sidestep in an Oasis song into something that's that feels quite emotional or melodic or sad or or i don't know wistful it's 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 weird um that that move that they tend to do all the time it's it, oasis don't just smash out chords you no know. I'm, I'm 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 surprised at that quote by noel actually um because this i i think this isn't a typical oasis track i think this stands out for me because um it it does sound more professionally recorded whereas other tracks on the album it's it's like there's this deliberate ruggedness to the production. Mm. You know, they want it to sound kind of. They want to sound rough raw. And, yeah, rough and ready, raw. Um, I I do suspect that several herbs and spices were um, to blame for the lyrics. Mm. Um, but it it's a sonic attack. You can't deny it's a sonic attack. It's not the only sonic attack on the album. Yeah. But it's it stands out for me a little bit. The production for me certainly just just jumped a little bit. Well, this was the. Um, this is one of the ones where the drums actually, once I noticed it, actually started to annoy me a little bit, actually, because I think this is one of the ones um, that the the drummer, uh, McCarroll, basically was one of the last ones he did before he was booted out of the band. And it's, he's, he's very happy to just hit the cymbal all the time. So it's just like. Just every every two minutes, like like it's just every every single time you can hit the symbol, he's hitting them. I was like, step back from that just a little bit. Yeah, um, I always think about this song actually when I come to Burnage uh, because right. because of the lyric because uh, I'm standing at the station in need of education in the rain. Now, if you ever have the misfortune of going to Burnage Railway Station. Hey, it's a good radio it, station. It is one of the loneliest places on the planet, and I really don't like it. It's Depends just... when you go. And platform one and platform two are two vastly different worlds. <laughs> I feel like it's old Burnage and new Burnage meeting each other. Yeah. One, so... there's a nice ramp. Yeah. There's a shelter. Yeah. It's modern. It's painted. It's nice. Yeah, that's if you go into the airport. Yeah, yeah. The other, the other side. Mm. If you're coming, uh, if you if you're going back into Manchester, yeah, is I I feel like it's exactly the same as it was when Oasis <laughs> lived here. No, There's more litter there now. Yeah, it's um, it's a very yeah. You have to walk up a up a very muddy ginnel, and there's a lot of crap being put behind people's houses there. It's truly awful. It's a truly awful place. Yeah, it's a fight up in hotspot. I'm not I'm not I'm not happy about it. I'm not defending it, but I don't think Oasis are either. <laughs> 
Well, I'll just go through with anything. No, that's just, it's just, I think about it. I think about that line every single time. And it's, it's one, one thing that I think has brought Oasis home to me is that I, I feel like now I walk the same streets that they did and I'm familiar with, you know, the place that they grew mm-hmm. up. Even though Burnage now is a very different place than Burnage was 30 or 40 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it is and it isn't, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a great song. Um, I It just... I find it str- normally I want very clear, crisp um, production, but it, it it stands out a bit for me with this one. Don't don't know don't think it necessarily needed it. Well, apparently there's a demo version which Noel preferred, but yeah, I I think the production is fantastic, and and this is one of those ones where it is fantastic. That's my problem with it. The 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 production is fantastic on the whole album. Oh, it's too good. You but mean this is clear? This seems clearer, crisper, mm. um, not. Um, what what I would say is obviously not grunge, but not grungy. Well, Noel said he prefers the demo version of Some Might Say because he said the demo was, and I quote, dirtier and sleazier. That's exactly what I want. Um, which is more Britpop. So maybe you need to check that out, um, which you'll find as a bonus track on the Japanese CD single. So you, you can find that. Um, yeah, great song. And this would be the one that if I did have to put an Oasis song on in a, in a pub, I'd, I'd be sidling over to the jukebox and... Uh, Putting this one in, yeah. Although, uh, again... Deafening all the other patrons. Yeah, although, again, you know, look at some of the lyrics of it, and you could argue that... that like, some of the lyrics are kind of a bit trite and a bit... Like, some might say... I mean, I, I guess that's the thing, though. It's it's him quoting other people's opinions, isn't it? Some might say X, yeah, Y, and cliche. Z. Yeah, so I guess he gets away with it in that way. Some might say... Some might say they don't believe in heaven. Tell that... And, Tell that to the man who's living in hell. Is that is that the line? Yeah. That just strike. I can't tell if that's actually. And you, can, you can imagine his mother saying that to him as a child. You know. Well, his mother. Said, oh, some might say there's there's no heaven. Would you tell that to the man that's living in hell? <laughs> not a bad, not a bad Peggy. Um, I really enjoyed the best quote I got from her on um, from Supersonic was uh, when she's talking about their father, who seems like not a great guy. And she said, when um, when they broke up, she said, she uh, I won't do the accent, uh, I left him a knife, fork and spoon, and I think I left him too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not putting anything past old Peggy. Yeah. All right, yeah, well, so next one. Track number eight, Cast No Shadow, four minutes, 40, well, 51 seconds. I don't really know what this song is about. It's a very noticeable difference to most of the other tracks on the album, and that's not just because it's a deep cut, rather than the bevy of singles or really well-known songs that we've got here. A lot more calm, a lot more gentle, ballady. And I kind of almost wish there was more of this sort of stuff on the album. Maybe just one more decent ballad or quiet track on the album might be nice. I know that's not the general vibe, but um, I, I, I like this song. And I was walking around the park listening to it, and the sun was going down. And it just felt like it was a very well-made, beautiful song. And there could be more of that sort of stuff. I think there's a lot of speculation, or at least there was before when I was looking on the internet to see what, what is this all about, when about this person, you know, not casting a shadow. And that seemed to me like, oh, is this is this about Jesus or something like that? You know, you can imagine something like the sun is going down behind this figure of like a modern reinterpretation of Jesus and like, oh, he's not got a shadow. You know, Dracula doesn't have a reflection, that sort of thing. And that's a, a moving thing. But I don't know, what did you make out of this? Who Who is this guy who casts no shadow? So I, I uh, from my research, this is about Richard Ashcroft. Right, okay, go on. Richard Ashcroft and the Verve from Wigan, where we grew up, hence why we 
yeah. Purred the the uh, Oasis and uh, Verve um, for the for the next couple of episodes of of Tummel. Fun fact: I went to the same college as them. You did. Now, Richard Ashcroft is one of these people, and I'm sure we'll get into this next time round as well. Uh, but in people from Wigan, I suppose it's the same in Dublin with you two. Everybody's got a oh, I met Bono once, you know, or, mm. or Bono went to my school, you know. Did I tell you that Richard Ashcroft and the Verve? Went to my college. No, you should you should mention that sometime. Winstonley College. Yeah. Old yeah. Winkle Hinkles. Yeah, which which if you're not from Wigan, that is the uh, that's the also, that's where the smart people go. Also, no one calls it that. I just made that up off the top of my head. Uh, I hope it catches on. Um, <laughs> but the, yeah, you'll hear you'll hear stories um, about Richard Ashcroft, and the only one that I've heard that I genuinely believe was from my old guitar tutor, who seemed to have no stake in the game, no reason to lie about it. But his brother was in the same year as Richard Ashcroft mm-hmm. at not the same school, but grew up in the same town, yeah. uh, which was Oral or Skem or around, uh, around the... Yeah. Apolland? Apolland, that's the one. That's the exact one, yeah. Um, you, all those Verve fans will be uh, sated by that. Yeah. Right? So, But apparently Richard Ashcroft, even as a young man, seemed very weighted down and you know very miserable and wouldn't really talk to people and wouldn't mm-hmm. be... You know, just seemed like he had things on his mind. You can't imagine him being a laugh at that age. Well, no guy who calls him Mr. Rock. Mr. Rock. Mr. Rock, because apparently he's the most rock and roll person you'll ever meet in your life. You know, like just because he's t- always wearing sunglasses. TVs at hotel rooms, you know, stuff like that. He's I don't approve of that. He's that way. He's that way inclined. Apparently, uh, but apparently, even as a child, that's the way he was. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of the lyrics when you really look at the um, what what's being sung. I can, I can, from what I've heard about Richard Ashcroft growing up there, mm. I feel like it, it could be like that. And they were, I think Noel in particular was intimidated by Richard Ashcroft's talent in songwriting, mm. but it's like he got in his own way. He was too. I've got a song for him then. He was. <laughs> Not a good one, <laughs> but I do have a song. He was too busy. You know, he's too in his own head and he, mm. he couldn't see the forest for the trees, but could write these fantastic songs and I, and I think there is this uh, kinship between not just Noel and uh, Rich Ashcroft but also Liam I think they uh, three, the three of them really got on with each other and understood mm-hmm. each other um, so that's why I believe that this is about Richard Ashcroft and that idea of like this, he casts no shadow it's like the natural elements don't affect him. You know, he, st- he stands separate from everybody he else. He is quite slim as well. He is. He is quite slim. Um, uh, but as as hidden gems go, and I didn't expect to find many hidden gems on this album, mm. this blew me away. And I think lyrically, this may be the most profound and sentimental song on the record. Wow. Let's have a, let's have a, yeah. Minute silence. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. A, a moment of reverence for that, for that. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. <laughs> Is that all you've got? Well, yeah, I just, I just, my, my problem with it was I really liked it, and I really liked the um, the echoing of the lyrics in the in the verses. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was, again beautifully produced. Feels effortless. Apparently, Noel just wrote this on the train back or something to the studio. It was a very quick one. I bet he'd give anything to have this period again in his career. He could just churn out incredible yeah, songs. Yeah, just listen to the radio. Oh. Well, listen to three songs. He's wrote three songs. Exactly. I mean, like, 
I, I don't believe that, by the way. I, I think I think Noel has has certainly has uh, a lot of credentials for writing songs. You know. Yeah, yeah. Whether he whether he borrows occasionally or not. Well, I think I think he's I think he's humble, but also he wears his influences on his sleeve. Um, the Beatles. Certainly one of the most people I would most like to interview. Yeah, I would be very concerned about pissing him off, which I imagine I would. You might. I don't actually, think I would. Actually, no, I wouldn't. I'd do my research and he'd be fine. Um, it would be respectful. I don't think he'd like me, but he'd respect I me. I would not break with tradition and do zero research. Yeah. So, who are you? Which one are you? Are you Noel or Liam? Is that your, your uh, first question? Oh, God, yeah. I'm definitely Liam, aren't I? Yeah. God. Uh, you get hit with a cricket bat. Or a plum. I'm going to throw a plum at you the next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> the end of review two, that's it. If it's ripe, then fine, bring it on. Well, next song. Number nine, Cheese Electric, three minutes, 40 seconds. Yeah. I don't like this song. I would very happily lose it off the album. Um, having said that, just purely on the performance, I don't... like. Obviously, it's a catchy song, yes, and... If you're going to say, is this a good song in terms of, is it got a good structure, melody, that kind of thing, fine. Just in terms of the way he sings, these are probably the best Liam's vocal sound in terms of his range and the purity of his voice. He's got a great voice. How much would you say Noel contributes to that? I, I thought With this was backing. a... I thought, well, maybe, I don't know. But, but Liam gets up there in his register, doesn't he? Because I thought that Noel and Liam between them created a tour de force. <laughs> of uh, of um, a vocal skill, yeah, and uh, uh, all the instruments kind of purred up really well. Everything has a counterpart. There's an acoustic guitar to an electric guitar, mm. you know, or, or you know, or, or a bass for a drum. Yeah, no, there is there is that kind of. It's like they are married to, but they're married to each other in this mm. in this song. Um, that's what I got. You'll notice it next time. You listen to it. I promise. I, w- um, I won't be listening to it again because it's because it's a twee pile of nonsense and I don't like it. And the line, "She's got one in the oven, but it's nothing to do with me." I just imagine like Liam doing a bit of a wink to the camera kind of thing, and it's it's hard to write genuinely funny lines. Yeah, and he didn't manage it. <laughs> I, I think he did because I, I I think that's that suits Liam's persona that's you know that's who he is you know mm. and didn't he have a, a love child with someone no idea um but probably but possibly several I think, I think I think he did but uh I think it's a great pop song I think it's no uh, and, and it gets her it gets it gets radio playing it wasn't released it's not a single yeah, because it's very hummable, but it's still a bad song, in my opinion. Like, as in, I, I'm saying it's a good and a bad song at the same time. I, what I mean by that is, I don't like it, and it rubs me up the wrong way. And I remember someone sung it in a co- in a talent contest at school, and I thought this is gubbins. I, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it. Did they put their arms behind the back and lean into the microphone? No, I think they were just trying to make sure that the voice didn't sound awful when they did the high bits um it, it wasn't like a, an impression i would have been impressed by that but um yeah not a fan okay track number 10 morning uh it is just is it just morning glory just morning glory yeah. all right track number 10 morning glory five minutes three seconds released on the 18th of september 1995 my first comment zoo roper anyone Zeropa. Do you not get the Z- do you not get the Zeropa vibe from this when it well you have kicks a, in? you have a bit of time to actually appreciate what it actually sounds you know there's there's a build up in this rather than it just being bang Before here we Liam go start squawking all over it <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah you do you do at least have a, a bit of a build up to to this one um 
one of the things I enjoyed about this is if you go on to um, if you go on to Wikipedia, it says lyrics and themes. This is like you know like a subheading. Morning Glory contains lyrical references to dr- the drug cocaine and to the Beatles. It's like that's just the lyrics and themes to all of Oasis. Like lyrics and themes, yeah. there is a lot of cocaine and the Beatles. That's them. You see, I didn't know this. Right. So um, I think the first verse, which is the verse that's repeated um, a few times, it's about being revved up. You're about to go out, you know. You're listening to the, you know, your music. You're getting ready. You're all, you're pumped up to go out. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like this song is about the protagonist waking up in the morning, hungover, possibly worse. Can't remember what happened the night before, so he personifies his penis, right, and asks yeah. <laughs> and asks him what they did last night. And and I genuinely listening to the song and looking at the lyrics. And if I'd never done that, I would never have questioned this. Yeah. I genuinely believe that's what this song might be about. What, Noel or Liam looking at the knobs and asking them questions? Amazingly, I imagined Liam doing it. But of course, Noel wrote the songs. So, yeah, it would be Noel. Unless Noel asked Liam's, but I mean, that would probably be unlikely to happen. <laughs> but is that conceivable? <laughs> conceivable. Um... I guess so, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to hear this. I mean, obviously, there's a cheeky reference to uh, Nobs here with What's the Story, Morning Glory, that that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's... Is that international? I think so, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, Morning Wood. Morning morning Glory is um, the... We know what it is. The the unfortunate erection that you have to suffer in the morning. Suffer? Unfortunate? Well, it depends on you. Depends how busy you are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're going to do. It depends how many times you press snooze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so I mean my, my little bit of trivia for this up and down like a fiddler's album. That we that we know uh, which probably people know anyway is the title What's the Story Morning Glory was inspired by Noel's friend Melissa Lim answering the phone with the with the the phrase which is itself derived from a line from a film Bye Bye Birdie which is presumably itself a reference to the 1938 Mary Lou Williams jazz standard of the same name. Yes, so there we go. And I don't know if Mary Lou Williams was talking about knobs or not, but there we go. Um, um, it's funny to hear. I thought I only thought about this once today, for the first time today. It's funny to hear the song, the the word "well" sung with such gusto over and over again. You know, he's going "well" like that. It's just a weird song to to a weird word to really hang your hat on. You know, and be like that not. <laughs> What, what are you hanging your hat on? <laughs> You're putting me under some stiff questioning here, Tyler, and I don't want to rise to it. Um, yeah, so anyway, that was weird. And also, I think the guitars remind me of Gone. Do you know the guitars not remind you of Gone here? No, I, I didn't get that, no. Well, anyway, well, there you go. Um, Apparently, I think Noel Gallagher wrote all the songs and he didn't steal anything ever. No, well... This well, is, he, oh, Gone would have stole from... from I, I just think very, very there's very like high pitched um, screechy in a good way and amazingly overdriven guitars on here and to me if you listen to this song and then listen to Gone and I think there's they share a sonic landscape I'm not saying in any way you two are ripping it off because they're really not no I just uh, this one it's another absolute banger and it takes me back to that feeling of like now when I'm thirty like mm. feeling like a you know you know what teenagers should feel like yeah. Uh, God, that was a hard one, wasn't it? Uh, Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah, Swamp Song 2. I, mean, I have n- nothing to say about it. Sounds like a jam at sea. 
a Jamitsy. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. I mean, it's just... You've got the wave sound, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of these just sort of mix into one. Um, little sorbet songs. I, I don't mind them, but I also have nothing to say about them. Yeah, track 12, Champagne Supernova, 7 minutes 31. I feel like that's a bit on the long side. Yes, um, although that's probably sacrilege in, in some yeah. in some corners. Um, Released on the 13th of May, 1996. Got to be the last single, that, I would imagine. Yeah, it is. Um, I... It, Again, reminds me I would like more quiet songs on this album because when they do, I mean, even though this becomes epic, it's it, it begins quiet and I just want to hear a little bit more of that atmosphere being built up, a little bit few harmonics here and there. It's an arena filler, this song. Yes, it is, yeah. and I would buy a ticket just to see this song. Well, I, what I've got written down in my notes is this is one of the best titles to a song ever. Like, just putting one word next to another, and this is the eternal That's beauty. That's basically what I did through the lyrics as well. Yeah, well, yeah, and then yeah, it just kept going one one word, the next word, and suddenly <laughs> you've got a whole song. <laughs> it's crazy how it happens. Yeah, and yeah, music, one note, stick another one in there, yeah. <laughs> one chord. Anyway. Um, Maybe three. But just as two words next to each other, champagne soup and over, that's just fantastically evocative you'd always want to hear a song called that and you can imagine what it means you know what 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 they saw to come up with that it's you know mm. just someone opening a bottle of champagne really and uh, looking w- at the stars watch f1 you'll uh, get the idea well noel apparently claimed in 2005 that he'd still not made up his mind as to what the song is actually about um although and it's we have a long quote but i think it's worth reading um, he told someone in 1995, it means different things when I'm in different moods, which is pretty much what we've been saying all the way through this. When I'm in a bad mood, being caught beneath a landslide is like being suffocated. The song is a bit of an epic. It's about when you're young and you see people in groups and you think about what they did for you and they did nothing. As a kid, you always believed the Sex Pistols were going to conquer the world and kill everyone in the process. Bands like The Clash just petered out. Punk rock was supposed to be the revolution, but what did it do? F all. The Manchester thing was going to be the greatest movement on earth, but it was F all. When we started, we decided we weren't going to do anything for anybody. We just thought we'd leave a bunch of great songs, but some of the words are about nothing. So I think this is the thing we keep turning over. Do Oasis actually have this profound meaning in many of the songs, or is it all in your own mind, or are they the best lyric smiths ever? No, they're not. Obviously, they're not the best lyric smiths ever. But... No, I'm just giving all the different possible. Yeah, but they're not. The... It's. For a period of time, and for the people that were there at that time, and I am including myself in that because I, I remember it. I remember how big they were. Mm. Although I can't claim to have been a fan when I was five. Yeah. You know, I, I remember. I remember the the nineties, and I remember how big they were. I remember the chart battles. Yeah. And I just think they meant something so much more than a band to a generation. Mm. And the thing that's really important about that is they were, for some people, I guess particularly in our context in, in Wigan, so I guess it applies differently to different people, but they I mean, they didn't have a fantastic upbringing. They got knocked about by... Well, no, actually, it was only Noel who got knocked about by the, by the dad. Um, obviously, not a particularly happy home life, not massively affluent either, but they, in this song essentially Noel's singing about how you can turn any kind of landslide of a life into this starry, like stellar explosion of something amazing. And that's maybe what people feel when they sing along to this song. Because when you feel people singing along to it, it's like everything depends on it. It's yeah. the end of a film, it's the fireworks night, it's huge. 
and that's that's a real achievement that's a massive massive achievement not that it, my opinion means anything about that but it's to a snob like me who about five years ago if you said oh do you want to discuss oasis record i'd say nah not really not like and i would have looked down on it, it it's a great record it's really good i'm sure there's loads of our listeners who who love and know this record a lot more than more than us and it means a hell of a lot particularly if you grew up a little bit if you were you know maybe four or five years our senior so there we yeah go. i think i think i i i, I love it uh, even though i don't mind that lyrically it might be lacking melody it's it's full and it's fun to sing along to yeah uh, i'm gonna go back now to you know being a child and witnessing oasis i thought that that's what happened in music there was one band that followed another uh you know like there was there was elvis and the beatles and then there was david bowie and queen you know, and mm-hmm. and you know, like big bands that everybody seemed to like. That's yeah. that's what I thought. So when I got to Oasis, I thought, oh, this is just the latest in a long yeah. line. And when I'm a teenager, there's going to be this this band that is mm. bigger than anything. You know, and everybody loves them, and they're going to be my band. Mm. And I feel like that never happened. I feel and then like, the Rasmus came out. I feel like it's never <laughs> happened. Stank. It's never happened since the Oasis. <laughs> Yeah, we got shat on, really. <laughs> we really did. Musically, we got shat on. So no reason, no, no wonder we look back to bands like you 2 mm. who for me are the biggest thing on the planet. You know, they're just... Yeah, yeah. They've, they've, Last of the dinosaurs. They've done things that no band will ever do again. They've done things that no band would ever attempt to do again. Yeah. And, and that's why this informs my relationship with you 2 because they became my oasis... Because my oasis never came along, naturally. There yeah. was no, there was no new band, and you can throw bands like the Killers at me. The Killers are fantastic, one of my favourite bands, but they're nowhere near the level that Oasis were at. There's not, there's not. It that... Makes me really, it genuinely makes me really sad that I never got that type of band. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I, I think I was going to say not in rock music, but not in anything. I mean, I think just celebrity has changed in that, in that sort of way, and. I think we we just keep discovering this that that there that, that there is something that is just gone now and that's it you know yeah oh well I, I hope someone I hope someone comes along I hope I hope in a, a few years there's teenagers that get that band See, Coldplay are really trying to do that and not doing I don't it. talk to me about Chris Martin anymore I'm, I'm I'm so done with him I quite like that little weird hologram song that he did um what was it called Higher Power yeah I genuinely enjoyed that it, it surprised me I've not liked anything they've done for ages. So, you know, thumbs up from me. Well, I want some of whatever you're on. Uh, what is your sweetest thing? Uh, as I said before, it's some might say. Mine is Cast No Shadow. Fair enough, yeah. Kind of caught me off guard and hit me where it hurts. In the plums. <laughs> <laughs> what's your um, What's your dirty day? And I, I think you can't pick the swamps for these. No, okay. No. I agree. Yeah. So, go on, what would you... Hey, no. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't quite like that one. Um, mine is She's Electric. Stick it in the bin. I'm surprised by that. Uh, there we go. Really, really fun. First time in my life I've ever gone back to uh, listen to Oasis, and um, 15 years too late, perhaps. But I'm I'm loving the discover the journey of discovery that I'm on right now. Uh, on the Twitter, we asked you for your questions or opinions uh, about what's the story, Morning Glory, 
Uh, we had a resounding response with two of you getting in touch. <laughs> and hey, we had 11 likes. We had 11 likes and some retweets. That's lovely, yeah. Uh, Joe Maxwell, love this album, but I think they just ripped off so many songs. I know every artist uh, has been influenced by other artists, but this takes the biscuit. I, I, I don't think this, in, in Oasis' canon, I don't think this is the worst offender. Uh, who would be? Uh, I think definitely, maybe, is worse for plagiarism. Uh, and even some later albums uh, is, you know, worse than this one. I think there's only really one that's painfully obvious, um, and that would be the the first track. Um, and I and I said I normally agree. Plagiarism is a cardinal sin in my view, but for some reason I give Noel a pass. I like to think he recycled and repurposed songs. Well, I will take us back to what I said about T. S. Eliot. Good poets um, take something and make it into something better, or at least something different. And I, I like I like what Noel said as well. I think he, I mean, I get that he's obviously he's playing, he's he's having it both ways, but uh, having it. But he, um, you know, when he says, "Look, if someone gets into Imagine because of him, then he's done a good job." Which so I, I get that, but I also, I mean, I have exactly the same opinion as as, yeah, as Joe. Barely, barely anyone mentions John Lennon these days. No, nope. John who? That was a. That was a joke. I wasn't sure if it came across <laughs> with my very dry delivery. Forgive me. It's summer. It's dry outside. Uh, and Fionn Duffield got in touch and, and said, I prefer definitely maybe. Thanks, Fionn. We might get around to that. Um... I, I really enjoyed that, Fionn. <laughs> straight to the <laughs> it, point there. It did make me laugh. We Fionn. basically wasted our time. Sorry, Fionn. We, yeah. we, maybe we'll get around to it. Fionn may never hear this show, out, But not definitely. Well, yeah. it would be like nearly an hour, and well, over an hour and a three quarters into this one um this has been a long and somewhat rambling episode but i i've i've enjoyed every every minute of it i didn't want to mention this earlier but it's the first time that myself and johnny have been in the same room for quite some time and it's lovely to have a little bit of normality yes nice to be back um uh you know and and, and don't worry covid people we've we've sorted things out i'm double vaxxed tyler you're sorted aren't you i'm double vaxxed uh the windows are are open we're allowed in the house we're even allowed to hug I'm not it's doing up that. to our own discretion if we hug. No thanks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe later, maybe later. Um, right, what's going up next week? Next, oh, well, pff, next week. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, if, next year. What are we doing next year? If I can get Joy to listen to the actual album, uh, we'll be doing uh, the Verve and Urban Hymns, no, going back to I our mention, hometown. Did I mention that um, the Verve and I once shared an alma mater, <laughs> a college? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You should say this uh, more often. Uh, but yes, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. And we will see you again with The Verve and Urban Hymns. See you later. Thank you for listening to Review 2, the YouTube podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at REV underscore U2 or on Facebook.com forward slash REV U2 For those rebel type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. 
Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler.